Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. So much of the time we can feel inadequate, like we don't have the things we need to accomplish what we want or don't possess the qualities we think we need. Today, however, Pastor J.D. reminds us that the knowledge of the gospel is more than a lot of people have, and it's our job to spread that news to everyone. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 13th, 2022. Beginning in Luke 19, verses 11 through 13, Jesus teaches this parable with detailed specificity because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he likens himself to a nobleman going to a distant country to be appointed king and then return. Now before he goes, he gives his ten servants one mina each, and then he instructs them to occupy till he comes. That's the King James. Some of the other translations render it, do business until I come. By occupy till he comes, this is what Jesus is saying. Get busy and put the gospel to work by circulating it and doing business for the kingdom and the expanding of the kingdom. And it's evidenced by each servant receiving in equal measure one mina. This is what sets it apart from the other parables of the talents, because the servants, the stewards, are given accordingly, proportionately, not here. They're all given exactly one. That's the gospel. These are Christians that have been entrusted with the mina of the gospel. And we're to get busy about the things of God and the kingdom of God. In verses 14 through 25, Jesus goes on to describe what happened when he returns, saying that the first servant earned 10 minas, and the second servant earned 5 minas. However, the third servant, and this is very important, he cowered and faltered because he was afraid. He was ashamed of the gospel. He was afraid in fear to share the gospel. So what did he do? Well, he just kind of tucked it away, hid his one mina in a handkerchief, sort of akin to covering your light so it doesn't shine. Now, in response to this, the one mina is taken from him and given to the servant who multiplied it by 1,000 percent. 
And I think we do err greatly when we think of this one servant as the other servants in the other parables. And I'll explain that in a moment. In verses 26 and 27, Jesus then deals with the enemies, not the servants, the enemies who made it very clear in no uncertain terms that they did not want him to be king over them. So the nobleman has them brought to him and killed before him, and notably the servant who feared and hid his manna was not included. Why? Here's why. This is a saved servant. Despite having been unfaithful with his one mina by hiding it, instead of spreading it and expanding the kingdom with it. Now I want you to think this through with me, because again, this is wood to God. And I'll speak to pastors of which I am one. Would to God that we don't profane, make common, secularize the sacred. This is not about taking that which you've been entrusted with and using it as an excuse. No, we're going to give an account, not in a wrathful way, It's the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where we're going to be given our rewards. And this this guy's going to be there, hypothetically, this guy in the parable, because he's saved. But he wasn't found faithful. Well, he wasn't found faithful. So Jesus can't say, enter in, good and faithful servant. Oh, so did he lose his salvation? Well, if he lost his salvation, then wouldn't that then stand to reason that the salvation is predicated upon faithfulness? And if the salvation then is predicated upon faithfulness, then it's not salvation by grace, it's salvation by works. Because see, now I have to do something in order to merit salvation. No you're saved. Now, your rewards, and never imagine for a second anybody's going to be in heaven going, oh, look at his mansion. Look at his crowns. All I got's a beanie cap with a propeller on it. Because <laughs> that's too much, I know, but I think you get the point. Maybe a much needed levity at this point. Now, This is germane to answering the question of what would Jesus say about the need to make future plans when the rapture is so close? Well, I realize this may come as somewhat of a surprise. Those in the secular arena have the same opportunity as those in the sacred arena. And this is the difficulty with a parable like this, because we we have this faulty mindset. It's wrong thinking that, oh, you're the clergy. 
I'm not worthy. Oh, yeah. I'm just the laity. That's your job. Ah, better be careful. You know, my job is, is to equip you to do the work. We're all to do the work of an evangelist. Well, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have the gift of evangelism. That doesn't mean you don't evangelize. So we, we look to the, the professionals, the pastors, the ministers. Wait a minute. Um, it could be argued that those who are not in ministry can be more effective than those who are. Here's how I get there. Those not in the ministry have been uniquely positioned in their vocation, and dare I say, occupation, occupy, occupation, to reach people that pastors like myself cannot. Listen, I've been in so many conversations, and I know the question's coming, what do you do for a living? (sighs) I'm a prophet. Not that I'm ashamed, it's a privilege. But here's why I'm reluctant, because as soon as I say I'm a pastor, boom, the wall goes up. Oh, and I usually hear something like this, well, excuse my French. (laughs) And they completely change. And then I just say to them, that's not French. My dad was a foreign language teacher in high school. He taught French. That's not French, just so we're clear. So now, see, there's a chasm between the clergy and the laity, if you will. So because I'm the pastor, I'm the professional, I cannot speak into the life of another that you can, because there's a relationship that you have with them. And you can reach places. In fact, may I suggest that the reason why you have that job you own that business, you're seeking and pursuing that career, you're furthering your education, is because you have a mina to put to work and circulate within that arena. The student has been entrusted with the mina of the gospel to circulate it in the school and expand the kingdom. Same thing with the teacher. So too does the employee within a business. Though, please, not on your employer's dime. That's dishonest. That's stealing. Don't do it on their dime. That's a horrible witness. But you're in that business, employed by that business, because you have a mina. You've been given the money. You have the gospel. And you need to put it to work. The business owner, having owned businesses over the years before entering the ministry, I always saw my business as my ministry and my ministry as my business. And God blessed it. God has given you this business, but you've got a mina. you got a mina. Oh, sure, you want to be a good steward of that which God has blessed you with and entrusted you with, but the most important thing that you've been entrusted with is the gospel. Let me couch it in these terms. The most valuable thing that you and I possess is neither home that we own, or 
wealth that we possess, the most valuable thing that we have is salvation, the gospel. And one more thing on this, actually not one more thing, because I got one more, one more thing, but this is very important. It's not what you have, it's what has you. There's nothing wrong with possessions. It's when possessions possess you. Don't let them have your heart. Don't let them have your love and devotion. No, that's His. Your heart is His. And and truth be known, you don't own anything anyway. It's His. You're just the manager. He's the owner of everything. You're the owner of nothing. Oh boy, that's another sermon for another time. And I don't have time, so don't get me started. Like I need your help anyway. I'll get myself started. Okay, what's the bottom line? Here's the bottom line. It's not so much a question about future plans as much as it's a question about multiplying our mina in and through our plans. In other words, if we're to have any hope of truly occupying until Jesus comes, we have to, we have to, we have to see what it is that God has called us to as the vehicles, the avenues, the opportunities to spread the gospel and expand the kingdom. If we're seeking first and foremost to expand the kingdom, we're seeking God and His righteousness and His kingdom. For lack of a better way of saying it, it's almost like God is obligated. He is held to His word because He's given you His Word that He will bless and prosper you if the purpose of your business is to glorify God. How's He not going to bless that? How's He not going to provide for you to do that? That's the answer to the question of planning for the future when the rapture is so close. That's what it means to occupy till Jesus comes. Again, have plans. Don't let those plans have you. And don't hold on so tightly to those plans. Personally, I have long-term plans. I have no intention of (laughs) them ever materializing, quite frankly. But I want when that trumpet sounds, Jesus to come and find me busy about His kingdom. I want Him to find me working really hard. And I am a workaholic, so that's not going to be a problem for me. In fact, that's a different problem, but enough of my problems. I want to be found so busy for the kingdom of God. I want to be working with all my might, with all my heart, as unto the Lord. But make sure, this is the last, last thing, make sure that in your plans you have at the center the priority of expanding the kingdom by way of the gospel. 
I tell you, you can never go wrong. And that's what it means to be busy until Jesus comes. Okay, question number three. This is a hard one. What would Jesus say about the escalating division and discord within the last day's church? (sighs) Bear with me, please. I have to confess that this, above all, is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult for me personally. I struggle with this greatly. But thankfully, one need look no further than to Jesus for the answer, because Jesus is the answer. And once again, it may not necessarily be what you think. I say that because the condition of the last day's church is actually a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, as we're about to see. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. It is truly astounding. This chapter has seven parables, and I want to draw your attention to three of those seven parables in verses 24 through 43. First, The wheat and tares parable is confusion via false Christians. Second, the mustard seed and birds parable is compromise and corruption via false growth. And third, the parable of the leaven and bread is about deception via false doctrine. And all three parables are going to answer this question of why it is that the church of Jesus Christ in these last days at the end of the age is so divided, so deceived, and in the condition that it's in beginning in Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30, and then again in verses 36 through 43, Jesus teaches and explains the parable of the wheat and tares, which look the same until they grow at the time of the end, the time of harvest. And in the parable there's a question asked, hey, should we take the tares that have grown up among, because see, at first I grew up on a, in a small farm town, and uh, during the wheat harvest I would drive truck for the, for the grain, which was very urgent, by the way. Uh, you had to get that harvest or you would lose it. And sometimes school was delayed because of it. So, but in the fields, those wheat fields, initially the, the tares look exactly like the wheat. Darnell, as some of your translations render it. You can't tell them apart. So in this parable, Jesus describes the enemy as going and sowing these tares amongst the wheat. And you cannot tell them apart until the end. But that's the problem, because once you can tell them apart, you can't tear them apart lest you tear out the wheat with the tares. This is why there's such confusion and division in the last day's church. False Christians slash tares confuse, divide, and deceive. In verses 31 and 32, 
Jesus then teaches the parable of the mustard seed, which is interesting because we know that mustard seeds are are very microscopic, small in size, and mustard plants do not become trees. That's abnormal. They're bushes, yes. Trees, no. So in this parable, we've got abnormal growth. This thing has grown to a very large size, so much so that birds can come and nest in its branches. This too explains why, and also is a prophecy about the condition of the church at the end of the age. How so? Because birds are associated with evil which have, like the tares planted in the field, nested on the branches of the church, confusing, deceiving, dividing. Verses 33 through 35, Jesus then teaches the parable of the woman taking leaven, and this is a very important detail, missed at first read. She mixes it into a very large measure of flour, again, abnormal in size. And she keeps working the leaven in until it had worked its way all the way through the dough. Well, what's leaven a type of in Scripture? Sin. Sin mixing in with the bread and growing it very large until it has worked its way all the way through the church in the last hour, as the Apostle Paul would say, a little leaven leavens the whole thing. A little leaven of false doctrine will spread through the entire church, and it already has. So back to the question of what would Jesus say about the escalating division and discord in the church at the end of the age. Answer, according to Bible prophecy, The enemy has infiltrated the last day's church with tares of false Christians, birds of false growth, and the leaven of false doctrine. I suppose one could sum it up this way. False Christians plus false growth plus false doctrine equal confusion, deception, discord, and division. Question number four, the fourth and final question. What would Jesus say about all the fear and anxiety surrounding COVID-19 and the injection? Now, the answer to this is really quite simple, yet somewhat difficult in the sense that it goes against the mindset, again, of many Christians, the wrong thinking by way of a preface to what Jesus would say about all this, it is of paramount importance that we first understand the paradox of all this. And by paradox I mean, this is difficult for Christians who still hold on to this world and the things of this world, not realizing that paradoxically we'll lose it if we try to keep it. The end of the world is going to happen and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting inspiritandtruthradio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.